Hello again. Welcome back to Bear Books, the podcast hosted by yours truly, Daisy Ray and April Berry. We are all about appreciating indie authors. We have interviews and reviews, writing and reading you flash fiction stories, and best of all, getting authors noticed by their readers. Yeah, today I am going to be reviewing a book that I've been reading. It's called Murder at Melrose Court. It's a 1920s Christmas country house murder. Um, It's the first book in a series and it's by Karen Menuhin. Fantastic. Can't wait to hear all about it. This week I have read Saving Grace by D.M. Bohr, which is a psychological thriller and a really good read. Can't wait to tell you all about it. But before I do that, tell me all about yours. Right, well, the book Murder at Melrose Court, I've got to say it was the jacket blurb that enticed me to read this book because I kind of like Agatha Christie, P.G. Woodhouse. Yeah, the humour in those books. And this is kind of along that lines. So we're introduced to Major Lennox in the first page of the book when Greg's his Batman and informs him that there's a dead body on his doorstep. Now, Lennox has a dog called Mr. Fogg, who's a golden cocker spaniel. He's not got a lot of brain and he hates dead bodies. So he wasn't very pleased, uh, wasn't Mr. Fogg. However, the dead body had a letter in the pocket with a name on it that Lennox denied knowing, but he actually did. Now, the name was of a Countess Sophia of Russian counties. Anyway, the police come deal with the dead body and Lennox goes off to Melrose Court, which is his uncle's house, to visit with his family for Christmas, where he learns that his uncle has just got engaged to said Russian countess, Countess Sophia. The book then kind of starts to gather a bit of pace. There's a real mix of characters in the book, and it does make you imagine that you are in the 1920s. There's lots of references to Russian czars. Two of the house guests are Russian. Obviously, one's engaged to Lennox's wife and the other one is secretly engaged to Edgar, one of the other visitors at Melrose Court. So it's all a bit confusing. There's a lot of talk of of Macedonian rubies in the book and lots of jewellery. And it does become quite evident as we go through the book why. Obviously, as with every murder mystery, there's more than one dead body. uh, And it appears that Lennox has shot and killed the Countess. He hadn't, of course, but being discovered bent down over a dead body with a gun in his hand can be seen as a pretty good indication. Lennox is actually quite suspicious of these two uh, Russian people. He's a, he's a nice guy, a lovely character. He takes a lot of comfort from Mr. Fogg, and you can tell a lot by this. It gives his character a warmth that actually appears to be lacking in some of the other characters. The story continues, and as it goes on, it's revealed that there was a connection between the Countess and Lennox which really gives credence to the fact that perhaps he actually did kill her. Um, Obviously, Lennox then sets out to find out who the real murderer is. He uncovers lots of dark secrets about the visitors to Melrose Court. And as he does, they appear to be a right bunch of reprobates the more he he discovers about them. The reveal of the murderer was reminiscent of Hercule Poirot, so they got everybody in a room. Um, However, to find out who the killer was, you are going to have to read the book. So I'm not going to tell you. Like I say, the author captures the essence of 1920s England very well. There's lots of detail about the era, the buildings, the fashion and the behaviour. I really, really enjoyed it. But then again, I'm not really into reading books that I don't particularly like. So I was I was really impressed at the detail and lots of research that went into this book. A really, really good read. It did have humour going through it. 
It was good, actually. I did like it. It's the first in a series. Not sure I'll go on to read the rest of them, but I quite enjoyed this one. Wow. I do like the um, connotation with Mr. Fogg and him having very little brain, like a foggy brain. Uh, that's quite a fitting name for yeah, yeah. For that animal. Was it cat, was it? Dog? No, he was a do- he was his dog, his cocker spaniel. Yeah, I mean, he spent a lot of time with Mister Fogg, and and Mister Fogg's pivotal in him discovering who the murderer is, and it's all about where Mister Fogg was between quarter to five and six o'clock. Uh, sorry, quarter to six and six o'clock. So it's it's quite it's quite interesting. The dog does play quite a, a decent part. Ooh, okay. He does, yes, he does, and. You know, Heathcliff Lennox, which is his full name, Major Heathcliff Lennox, he comes across as a real human being because of the way that he interacts with the dog. So the dog gives him some warmth, where the rest of the characters are kind of all portrayed as a bit stuffy 1920s English gentry type. Yeah, there are a lot of characters in this book you've just read. Was it difficult keeping up with them all? No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, there was no more characters in it than your normal Agatha Christie, really. Okay. And there was a, there was a connection with them all, and and the book did explain as you went through how the how they were all related and how they were all interconnected and everything. So it it didn't bombard you, but it didn't leave you asking questions either. Yeah, I do like that you describe them as a bunch of reprobates. That's so you. You say that about so many people. <laughs> I do that. But they were. They were all reprobates. I mean, I would say read the book. Um, I mean, Countess Sophia isn't who she's supposed to be. Natasha, who's the other Russian in the book, turns out to not be who she portrays herself as being. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot. And I feel quite sorry for Lennox's uncle, actually, because... He's lost his wife, Mary. He gets engaged to a Russian countess who's younger than him and then finds that she's been shot and killed in his library. Wow. See, the thing with that type of story for me is I really love watching Poirot films and Miss Marple and and all of that sort of stuff, you know, Murder on the Orient Express and all of those classics. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I watch them time and time again. But I don't know if that's the sort of story I want to read I like because the characters are all so flamboyant in their own ways. It's the sort of thing I like to see. I think that's more of a visual thing, but that's just a personal thing. I think that's a, a visual for me rather than a read. Yeah, I mean, when I was reading the book, and and some I've read some of the blurb on uh, on the author's website, uh, and she's kind of into Downton Abbey and that kind of thing. And as I was reading the book, I could see the connotations of Downton Abbey with crime. Yeah, yeah. And a bit more, mind you, having said that, Lady Mary was a bit risque, weren't she, in the first series of Downton Abbey? She was a bugger. She was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was good. It was quite interesting. I did get I did get immersed in it and I did get enthralled in it. Yeah, I am a fan of Downton Abbey as well, I have to say. But again, because I've watched it, not because I've read it. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it might be worth a read, actually, just to see how I get along with that style. Because I've never read it before. It did take me back because I read all of Agatha Christie's books when I was in my 20s. Mm. And to be honest, I've not really revisited them because obviously, you know, people that have listened to the podcast before, I've I've made that apparent that I'm not a revisit reader very Mm. much. And these kind of did take me back a little bit. So it was kind of nice. I wasn't reading about what I'd read about before, but I was reading about something that to me was a familiar kind of genre, familiar subject. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. But then again, I, I don't I don't read books. I don't enjoy. If I'm not enjoying it, I just put it down. That's true enough. I am a rereader, and actually, I would recommend rereading because who you were in your twenties is nothing like who you are now in your nineties. Sorry, sixties. <laughs> really. You are so different from who you were then. And the way you read that same book is going to be completely different. You'll take so many different things from it. I think it's worth a reread. I like rereading. Mm. You see, I'm frightened that if I reread it, that I'm not going to like it. And and I want to remember that I actually like those books. Mm-hmm. And if, if I reread it again at a different stage in my mind, so 40, well, 35 years on from when I actually read them all before... Yeah. Am I going to view it differently and not be as impressed and not be as enthralled and engrossed in the story as I was then? So you think you might lose something from it? Yeah, I think I might lose something. So where you're looking to to say that you're going to gain something from yeah. it, I'm a little bit hesitant because I might lose something. Maybe that's us, glass half full, glass half empty. Yeah, possibly. Yes. Anyway, come on then, Daisy, what is it that you've been reading? Well, I have read this week a psychological thriller, Saving Grace by D.M. Barr, with the right ingredients, and it made me keep reading until the end, which, if I'm honest, hasn't always been the case with everything we've reviewed on this podcast. There have been occasions where I've written a review on half a book because, well, let's face it, it's all personal, right, and I'm not going to like everything. Grace Rendell is the only child of an 80-something billionaire. She's been treated for paranoia since she was six years old throughout her entire life until she decides to secretly quit her meds. She believes her husband, Elliot, is planning to murder her for her inheritance on her father's passing. But who is going to believe a supposed psychotic? So she decides to write herself out of danger with a story that has her as the heroine in the selfsame situation that she is in. A subtle way to expose her husband and keep herself alive. But can she write herself out of danger before she's strapped into a straitjacket, framed for murder or lowered six feet under? One of my favourite lines in this book was a nod to my favourite writer Stephen King. And I quote, The two women rose, much to Dewey and Duchess's dismay, and strolled towards the house like John Coffey and his jailer in the Green Mile, walking towards an impending electrocution. Her father's verbal jabs were as piercing as any 2,000 amp current. The story generally wasn't rushed, just a nice, steady, engaging read. The characters were diverse and inclusive, as they should be. It made sense for me, for a writer, to write about writing as an escape route. The ending was a little bit easy for me. The daughter of Grace's shrink was a bit glib, almost thrown in there. And the whole gang coming together to crack the case and save Grace was a bit basic. More could and should have been made of that. The first half of the book had me gripped and engaged enough to want to read the ending and to finish it. The second half of the book wasn't as strong as the first half. Maybe it should have been a bit longer so that she could flesh it out more. For the olders among us, Grace's love interest and all-around fabulous human being gave me a strong mental image of Nigel from EastEnders, who went on to play Elliot Hope in Holby City. In fact, the names Elliot and Hope are both in this story, so maybe it's not a coincidence. Who knows? 
Overall, I enjoyed this one, a great bit of escapism, and I'd give it a well-earned four out of five. So you've scored your book, which you did before, and I remember you saying that that's what you were going to do. Yeah. It does sound quite interesting, the story within a story. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Because that was the kind of, that got my interest. What, the fact that she's writing a story about herself in the story? Yes. The way that Grace is thinking at that point is, if she publishes her story, albeit in a subtle way in a work of fiction, but it is all of the facts as she knows it and what everybody is up to and what underhand things they're doing, it's like a confession so that he won't be able to do these things to her because, ooh, isn't that a coincidence? Grace wrote that in her book. So she was trying to save herself by writing her own story, which I think is a really clever thing to do. Yeah, it is a, it is a clever thing to do. I, I have got to, to say it didn't surprise me that you picked something that was psychological and a bit dark and a bit morbid and a bit twisted. <laughs> okay. I think we kind of do tend to gravitate to to one type of genre. And, and I think that the majority of stuff that you read is a bit twisted. Yeah. Generally not psychological, though. That's not what I normally go for. Normally I'm straight up horror. Yeah. Or a psychological horror. But a psychological thriller is slightly different <laughs> if you want to split hairs. Yeah, I suppose if you are splitting hairs. I mean, in your psychological horrors, how many dead bodies are there? Yeah, generally one or two or three. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I get your point. <laughs> has this author written anything else then? Are you, has it piqued your interest to carry on and read anything else that she's written? It does have another couple of books out, yes, which I may read, because I did enjoy this one. You know, Grace's father in this book, he was an awful man, an awful, awful man. He, for one, to, I'm about to give spoilers out, so block your ears if you don't want to hear this. Grace's father, when Grace was six years old, he murdered one of his staff because she was pregnant with his child and he didn't want to face it, so he killed her. And Grace woke up in the night to see her father and the gardener carrying the body underneath her window. So when she started making a kerfuffle, Daddy came upstairs because Grace was locked into her bedroom. The windows were locked, the doors were locked. She could never go anywhere. She was treated appallingly. And he made the child drink a glass of whiskey. At six years old, obviously she was unconscious. She didn't end up with alcoholic poisoning, I don't know. But when she woke up the next morning, she was in an institution and he left her there for a solid year on medication, hoping that she would forget what she'd seen him do. And then she ended up under a shrink that was on the books, as it were, for the rest of her life on these medications that she didn't need because there was nothing wrong with her. So daddy was controlling her? Yeah, completely and utterly. And she tried to run away from home and go to college. And within days, she'd met the future husband, Elliot, who was a chip off the old block and, and manipulated her left, right and centre. But daddy was a billionaire. Yes, because dad was a billionaire. So that, you know, at some point, daddy was about to die because he was 88. Well, how old was she? In her 40s. Oh, right, OK, I'm with it. So yeah. she's a middle-aged woman. It's not kids. It's not young folk. Um, I did wonder. I thought if she's six and he's 80, it's a bit... Yeah. She was six Ooh. at the time when it all kicked off. Ah, oh, right, OK. But the story is set when she's in her mid-40s. Ah. So and I th it's, it's, it was brilliant. The premise was it had me hooked. So you'd recommend it? Yes, definitely. 
Do you think I'd get on with it? Yes, I really do. Yeah, the kind of thing that I like. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd love it. I am, yeah, like I say, a solid four out of five. Have we got a, another uh, book review coming up at all in the future? We've got one on our personal reviews, like today. Yes, yes, yeah. we have. On the twenty third of April, we have an episode where we are reviewing books of our choosing again. Oh, you see, I'm talking to the woman with the board. You see here. Yes. Next week, though, we are back on a flash fiction, and the writing prompt is "Why are you blushing?" Oh, I can't wait for that. We've got a guest as well, haven't we, next week? Yes, we have. Carolyn Ward-Daniels is joining us for that episode. Can't wait for that. She's one of our favourites. <laughs> she is, yeah. Has she written something? Yes, she has. Oh, wicked. I know. So we're, uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk her into reading that out and taking part and co-hosting with us. Okay, I think we will. Have you read anything? Uh, read? Written anything yet? Not for Why Are You Blushing. I've got two ideas on the back burner and I can't decide which one to go for. I was toying with the word blushing because it can mean all sorts of things. Yes, can't it just? You don't have to be embarrassed. No. Or shy. Blushing could mean lots of things. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. I haven't written anything yet, but uh, no doubt, and knowing me, it will be lastminute.com. I'll be finishing it off just as we're about to record the podcast. But Yeah, we have had some other submissions in as well. Thank you very much to those people. One in particular, I think, will be making it into the anthology that we've had that I read yesterday. Really enjoyed it. So everyone that's joining in, we thank you so much. It's great. We love it. Oh, brilliant. Right, so we will speak to you all next week then. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. If you've read a book by an indie author that you've really enjoyed, email the title across to us at contactus at barebooks.co.uk. And if we read it, we will discuss it on the podcast. Excellent. If you happen to be an indie author and would like us to add your book to our reading list, maybe even come and talk about it on the podcast, send your suggestions to submissions at barebooks.co.uk. And if you fancy a go at writing flash fiction and want the chance to be published in our flash fiction anthology for 2021, pop onto our social media for the full list of writing prompts for this season and also the word count at Bear Books Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or at Bear Books Pod 1 on Twitter. Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can Instagram him at dadnap.mp3. Stay safe until next time. Thank you.